They say when you come from a small town like us, you do things your own way. A way that builds a state-of-the-art network. As a local, you know the dead spots, so you fix them. You know the neighbors, so you're good to them. Did you drop these? You know the neighborhood, so you make a difference. Thanks for the hot spot. You know the strongest signal comes from starting local and staying loyal, no matter how much you grow. The nationwide network built from your town up. U.S. Cellular. U.S. Cellular is an American mobile operator headquartered in Chicago, Illinois. They are also one of Amdocs' most innovative and valued customers. Now, despite over 5 million customers of their own, they have a uniqueness as a nationwide carrier built from your town up. They value their customers as not just important customers, but local neighbors. And that gives them a unique and intimate perspective on the communities they serve. Never has this affinity with their neighbors been more important than during the pandemic. And as 5G rolls out across the nation, US Cellular has driven innovation that has unquestionably benefited the areas they cover. Welcome to The Great Indoors, a podcast where we look at the technological implications brought about by the next industrial revolution and how this can potentially help solve the biggest problems facing humanity. I'm your host, Matt Roberts, and joining me as ever is my co-pilot and producer, Larissa Yee. So my guest today to talk about US Cellular and some of the great things they do is Mr. Mike Irizarry. He's the EVP and CTO of US Cellular. Mike is an industry pioneer who joined the company in 2002 with extensive experience and credentials, including a doctorate in communications technology from Capella University's School of Business and Technology. And he's also a graduate of the University of Chicago's Executive Management Program. And by the way, he's a brilliant conversationalist. And so today we will be asking Mike, how can a nationwide carrier also be your trusted neighbor. So I'd like to welcome Mike to the Great Indoors today. So I'd like to welcome our guest to the Great Indoors today uh, from US Cellular, Mr. Mike Irizarry. Mike, how are you today? I'm doing great. It's a pleasure to be with you today. Awesome. Great. And also joining us as a, a co-guest and a co-host uh, from Amdocs is Mr. Oren Mangle. Oren, how are you? I'm great. Excellent. Welcome to the podcasting world. Right. So let's let's get going. So, Mike, where are you enjoying the great indoors from today? Where are you in the world? Well, I'm in Chicago. We're based in Chicago. I live in Chicago probably for the, I don't know, last what, uh, man, it's like pushing 20 years, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but I'm at home today. You know, we, we've officially returned to work, but it's a hybrid mode. And today I decided to, you know, work from home. Nice. Now, one of the other questions I like to ask our guests, it's something we've been doing this season as we introduce you. If you could come on to some entrance music, what would that song be? Oh, wow. <laughs> That's like, <laughs> well, I, I'm kind of like a, a, a classic rock guy. 
So nothing that I like, like comes to mind. I like Kiss. Maybe like uh, some of the music from Ben Hur, the the movie, you know, when he stands in front of Pharaoh. Yeah. I like it. I like like it. And the same question to Oren. Oren, where are you enjoying the great indoors from today? So I'm in my basement, which is my home office uh, in Chicagoland, uh, waiting for the spring to come. Ah. And uh, Oren, if you could come on to some dramatic entrance music, what would it be? It would probably be uh, The Storm Prelude by uh, Chopin. Now that leads that leads us into something interesting because Mike and I have a shared experience, a very an interesting story. And Mike, it was the the last time we met in person in 2019. It was an event we did in Chicago for US Cellular. I'll let you tell the story, actually, Mike, about Oren kind of uh, surprised us all, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, so I, I've worked with Oren for years and the Amdocs team. Great partners, by the way. And, you know, smart guy, I know he's very talented, but I've always thought of him as kind of like the software guy, you know, the guy I call when things aren't working, the system's not working. So the event you're talking about, I was blown away. Oren was ripping the piano and I, I mean, words can't describe how shocked I was at, at how fleet his fingers were just tapping the ivories. It was amazing. Me as the marketing uh, director for that event, it also saved me about $10,000 on entertainment costs. Um, So that was... But I agree, Oren, you're also, I believe, available for birthdays, bar mitzvahs, <laughs> christenings, and, and other events. That's correct, yeah? Definitely. Super cheap. So just to our listeners, uh, Oren is available uh, for $70 an hour. Just reach out to me on Twitter, at Matsky, uh, and we'll get that set up. Okay, <laughs> brilliant. So that's uh, that, that's a great start. Now let's get into into business. We've been through, uh, uh, it's fair to say, a pretty strange couple of years. Um, and the pandemic has shone a light on, on a lot of inequities in society. One of those big ones is the digital divide. I think we'll all agree. How is U.S. Cellular helping bridge this uh, digital divide in, in rural America, Mike? Yeah, thanks, Matt. That's a great question. Something that we're really passionate about. You know, just thinking about covid and the transition that we made as a company uh, and as a society, I think we frankly underappreciated how much capability wireless and connectivity uh, has afforded us. And frankly, we thought we were gonna have many more issues making that transition as a company. Um, But we got tons of requests from schools, businesses, and small rural communities trying to uh, enable their uh, clients and customers to work remotely. 
and very proud of the job that we were able to do providing that connectivity. And it ranged from just basic wireless 4G and 5G connectivity via a, a smartphone to what we call cradle point devices. And these are devices that you mount in the home or the school and then you connect your LAN to and it provides, you know, virtual connectivity to, um, the, you know, the Internet. In addition to that, we, you know, we provided different types of services for free to schools and communities that were struggling to, you know, keep their students in, engaged. That's not new to us, though. We, we had been doing that sort of thing in, in our um, communities, small communities, rural communities for years. Uh, good examples of that during storms and tornadoes, which in some of our markets we get, you know, pretty regularly due to where they are in the United States. And uh, that's something we pride ourselves on. We created charging stations, offered free phones. And one that we're doing right now is offering free uh, calls to Ukraine. Um, right. We have employees that are from Ukraine and we're trying to you know, help folks, you know, connect with their families. So we have various programs, uh, Matt, that, uh, you know, we're passionate about supporting our, our communities and, and closing the digital divide. Some of it's short term and some of it's more strategic and long term. Millions of children rely on public Wi-Fi to study. U.S. Cellular is donating up to $13 million in hotspots to help youth in need because every child deserves the same opportunity to learn. What's in your opinion uh, has been the one of the biggest innovation coming out of the pandemic? You know, mm -hmm. it's a great question. I'm sure... There are a number of innovations, but I think I think the thing that stands out for me the most is, you know, back to my earlier comment, how much capability we really have had all along and just not capitalized on because we didn't have an event to push us to leverage it. You know, again, the transition was pretty seamless for us and, and others. I mean, there were a few bumps. We certainly had to address security. Uh, in a hybrid environment. But I, I think really the, the learning was less about innovation and just more about, hey, we're more connected than we ever thought possible. And we have capacity in places that could really leverage it, such as those small rural communities. Um, that said, you know, if I had to think really, really hard, if you press me really, really hard, Orrin, I, I would say one of the innovations that we've been working hard on and I would say got a turbo boost in COVID is leveraging millimeter wave. You know, it's a very right. high frequency, large bandwidth, so you mm -hmm. can offer a lot of speeds. But traditionally, people have thought of it as a very short range technology. And in working with our partners, we've been able to get, you know, 300 megabits or higher over one kilometer in a fixed wireless access. And, and so that's something I think is innovative. There were certainly some tweaks that had to be made to the technology to support that. Uh, but that's one. But again, I, I think it's just a better appreciation for how much connectivity we actually have as an industry and a community. And now we can really use it in ways that we haven't thought about before. I think that's really admirable, Mike, and, it, and, it, and it's incredible. And one of the things I've noted, and you said it there, was the short term and the long term. When everybody went into lockdown, when there was rural communities needing connectivity, you know, you stepped up and bridged the gap and, and kept those societies going. But that establishes a, a really important foundation in the long term as well, right? It doesn't just go away now. That remains, the, the demand has almost been seeded. 
And those societies will continue to benefit long once COVID has gone right. I think that's a very positive byproduct of the negative, horrific pandemic, really. I think you're right, Matt. And, and uh, as a business focused on profitability, in addition to helping communities, we want to capitalize on, on that. So one of the things that we've been focused on is, is working with the government, understanding national and local government initiatives that want to close the digital divide through investment, you know, partnering with different uh, government entities to build cell sites, could be macro cell sites, small cell sites, partner to enable lower cost devices to communities to close the digital divide. And I think, but for COVID, uh, I don't think communities realized what they could do with wireless the way you know they can t- uh, today. So it's really, really exciting. And frankly, that that is a a trend that I believe we're going to see accelerate as society in general moves to further digitalization and the creation of digital twins, be it a community, a school, a smart city. And, you know, it really is exciting. And we intend to play a part, a part in that, that digitalization. And I tell you what I thought was really interesting as well. And I know you've been to all the trade shows over the few years, Mike, and, you know, when you read all the press going back before the pandemic, there was always this speculation on what the killer 5G use case was, right? It's going to be how many times you heard driverless cars. <laughs> I mean, I think metaverse is the new yeah. buzzword, but we'll talk about that in a minute. But what I think is most fascinating about 5G, and, and you mentioned it right there, is really the most important use case for 5G commercially and and from a societal perspective, has been fixed wireless access. It has been delivering connectivity to those rural areas uh, that have been deprived of it so long. And the the innovation, like you said, being able to deliver those speeds over millimeter wave, over a kilometer, it's innovation driven by the necessity for connectivity. And and to me, it seems like we are going to slip back into this. So, okay, so what's going to be the next big 5G use case? you know, et cetera. But beyond that, what's the next big use case now is beyond that, that 5G can deliver or that you can deliver as US Cellular to your communities that's going to have a big positive impact? Yeah, I mean, it's a great question, Matt. And I think about it like this. I mean, for sure, there are going to be new platforms and new applications, just like we saw with 4G. But I think there are going to be many more uh, enabled by the higher speed that 5G offers. But as I think about our role, and not to minimize it, we're going to play in, in many different facets of the telecom industry, but we provide connectivity, high-speed, reliable connectivity. So if you think about the transition during COVID, people just don't want to be connected to a high speed. They want dependability. It has to be there Uh, when they need it, whether it's at home, the remote office or entertainment. And so as I think about what we need to focus on as an industry and and for our company, it's providing that reliable, high availability connectivity. And then that will create opportunities for partners to come in and create new applications that leverage the high speed, the low latency, and the reliability. Now, 
when I think about the short term, and I define that as next, you know, 12 to 36 months, you know, applications or use cases, you know, fixed wireless access for sure. We're getting interest from schools. I mentioned that one earlier, but utilities, utilities, which are the backbone of, you know, powering our cities and our communities, they want the flexibility that wireless offers either as the primary connectivity or as the backup, you know, with, with weather and climactic things changing, people need that, that reliability. So I think that's one that's an imminent use case. I think the other that we're certainly look, looking at is drone. And you're probably saying, well, that, you know, that's kind of far-fetched, maybe not as far-fetched as the fully automated car, but there's really some practical use cases for it within our industry. Tower inspection. You know, up to this point, I got to send someone up the tower to inspect the lines and the antenna pretty periodically to make sure everything is is working properly. With the drone, I could do that, you know, in, you know, a third of the time. So we're, we're actually conducting trials of that now. Also mapping our signal strength versus the competitor to really identify where there are holes to provide a reliable service for uh, the consumers. And the other one, uh, and we're not alone in this, is MEC, Mobile uh, Edge Computing. Yeah. And I think that uh, component of 5G, it lowers latency, but it's really critical. You mentioned metaverse or high resolution, virtual reality, augmented reality, low latency is critical for that. Um, but uh, gaming, yeah, it, it requires Mac. So, so those are some of the, I'd say, short-term use cases. The industry recognizes that you know 5G can't support those use cases at scale. Um, so there's work already starting on the next, you know, enhancements to 5G that will eventually morph into 6G. But I think those are the ones as opportunities that are before us right now. That's brilliant. And because you serve predominantly rural areas in, in the Midwest, Mike, you said something there that I instantly thought of now when we look at 5G use cases, and that's drones for farmers. I, I saw some of the use cases um, that are coming out of uh, the 5G Open Innovation Lab that are pure agriculturally driven use cases. Yeah. So even drones that so you can count your cattle and your sheep, uh, but some use cases are coming out of there that we, when I talked before about the hype stage where everyone was talking about driverless cars, and but now we're seeing real manifestations, yeah. right, which we didn't think of before. I think it's a really fascinating time. And I think it's connect as well to the digital, back to digital, uh, Mike, because uh, we're talking about, you know, digital in many aspects. I'll just give an example, you know, the new shopping experience, the mix between, you know, buy online, pick up a store, um, white glove services, even as additional communication channels, like chatbots and different payments, maybe different currencies like crypto. Where, where do you see this moving forward? Yeah, I think both uh, retail and agriculture are two, I'll call them verticals, if, if you will, where the five use, 5G use cases have very real short-term practical applications. Let's start with the agriculture, creating the digital twin so that the farmer knows the yield of his crop. Um, you can do that very quickly with a, with a drone and you can send it out periodically program it to, you know, map it out and come back and tell you and, and monitor it in real time. In addition to sensors in the ground that tell you what the 
the uh, water content of, of the ground is. So that, that will be an example that's, that's real. I mean, that's on us now. I mean, I'm not an expert on it, but I know the company that makes tractors, I think it's deer. Uh, they're doing a lot of work um, with automated vehicles, autonomous vehicles and, and that type of thing. And, but Oren, to your point on real t- retail, if you look at, especially during COVID, most of the shopping was done online. So what I often hear is, boy, I'd like better rendering of the product I'm buying online, three-dimensional, high, resonu- high resolution, not just two-dimensional. So I have a better appreciation for the shoe, the purse, whatever it is you're buying online. And, and I think, you know, 5G use cases enabled by Mac, uh, simplified uh, purchasing flows, are going to be critical because you know people shop online. We see that today. People do all their shopping expo- exploration online, and then if they absolutely have to go into the store, they go in the store to do it. So the more we can make it easier for them to understand the product online before they go into store, the better the experience is going to be. So, I mean, it's happening now, and I think it's going to accelerate because people got a taste of it. They were forced to get a taste of it through COVID. Yeah, I think that's a really good point that there was this acceleration of digitalization during the pandemic. And we saw it in banking, you know, various demographics that had ignored online banking before out of necessity had to embrace banking. You talked about online retail, digital retail, Mike, people had to out of necessity start doing this stuff. And then they were doing it. They were like, well, actually this is pretty cool. This is so much more convenient than having to drive to the shopping mall uh, and and buy these things. Digitalization has been accelerated. Do you think that is a good thing for society as a whole, that we've vaulted forward in this digital adoption so quickly? I I do. I I do. And I think, you know, depending on who you talk to, I think uh, folks believe we've fast forwarded two to four years because of COVID. And we're an example of what you described, Matt, where eh, we sort of focused on, you know, the online channel, but like when COVID came, now we had to go in there and work with Oren to figure out how to improve the performance of the app and the application. And then when we made those improvements, we're like, well, wow, we've seen activity on there surge. Like why weren't we doing this all along? So uh, but I, I think it's a good thing for a couple of reasons. One, digitalization in the broadest sense will improve sustainability. It, it's a more cost-effective way to uh, shop. I think it it has the potential to reduce our carbon footprint or certainly manage it better. I think it also can enable folks, uh, we talked about the digital divide earlier, who don't have the means to go into major urban areas, it enables them to participate, you know, virtually in communities that they wouldn't have been able to before. And if I think about the elderly, you know, someone in a, in a home with digitalization and connectivity that, you know, they're able to, you know, virtually get out of their environment and connect with people in, in ways that they were not able to before. So I, I think it's, you know, for the most part, positive. That said, you know, we need to be judicious and thoughtful about our migration to that because there's certainly security aspects to it. Uh, we need to make sure we're protecting children and, and, and customers' information is, is protected. And that's important to us because, you know, every survey we do shows customers trust us first and foremost. 
they have an, a bad experience on their wireless device, you know, using someone's app, they don't blame the app. They come back to us and like, hey, you know, what are you doing about this? So I think we just need to be thoughtful, purposeful, and very judicious as we make that migration. But in general, I think it is a good thing for society. So we're talking post COVID and we know that customers and users expect more and, and which means they, they want more capabilities digitally. Does it mean that we're going to remove all human intervention or to what extent? Yeah, I think, look, you know, as with any transformation, you know, if you look at the segments based on age and demographics and all that, you're going to have a, a group that are all in. Like I, I could pick my son. He's dad. I'm never returning to work. I'm going to work from home forever. You know, so you have your early adopters that are all in. They want to, you know, Bitcoin and every digital you know, fungible tokens and all that stuff. They, they want all that now. And then you have your more thoughtful, conservative people. I probably fit into that category. Like, I want to understand the downsides, the risks to it, but I'll eventually get there. Uh, and then you have the, the folks that are the long tail. You know, they just want basic connectivity, nothing fancy. You know, they, you know, they sort of want to be on the grid, but not on the grid. And so, you know, I think it's just a matter of time as people become accustomed to it. I mean, think about the transition we went through from pagers to cell phones. It took a while, but eventually, like, pagers were retired. And then the same thing, voice to data, 3G to 4G. And, you know, we're going to see that, you know, as we move forward. Even the basic, you know, phone, the cordless phone. People see the benefits and frankly, they realize they can't be a part of that evolving community unless they learn and adopt the technology. So I think it's just a matter of time, but we need to be patient, thoughtful and understanding and not, you know, move people out of their comfort zones. We need to compel them based on the benefits they get from that transition. really interesting mike and when we look at this move to you know digitalization across the board one of the things that fuels it and one of the things that is almost comes out of the exhaust of it is data data privacy and security we had a really fascinating conversation last night with a, a security analyst what's your position on data security data privacy as everything gradually moves to the cloud. It's a mad, I mean, I think that is one of the most important things that if we're not thoughtful and careful, we can overlook the things that need to be in place to make that transition comfortable and healthy for everybody. And as I said earlier, customers look to us, they trust us to protect that connection and the data that traverses it and the data that, you know, because of that relationship we host in our system. So um, we take it very seriously. I could tell you in board meetings, that has a an allotted amount of time for us to talk about what we're doing to pr protect company data and customer data. 
And as we move forward with 5G and this digitalization, even more data is going to be consumed. And we need to think about how much of it we retain, how much of it we purge, how frequently. There's a lot of power in it, both in terms of monetization and being able to personalize services to customers. But at the same time, you have bad actors out there who want to exploit it to you know, profit or cause harm. And so I, it's like number one of those things that I think about when I pick a vendor, when I deploy a system, and when I make commitments to customers. Do, you know, Have we thought through this enough that I can live up to my responsibilities to the customer and associates? We keep a lot of associate information and business information. So you know what, we have a practice um, that works uh, under me that's responsible for protecting customer information as well as associate information. And we've put our money where our mouth is, investing in systems to protect it, putting people behind it. It's, it's really, really important. That's excellent. Now, I have to ask this question because it is, you touched on it before, Mike, well, we both touched on it. And it's the hot topic at the moment, the buzzword is the metaverse, right? Yeah. It, it came about, obviously, just towards um, in the fall last year, really. What's your thoughts on the metaverse? And where do you think US Cellular or indeed any service provider in the world can potentially play in this whole new inter- iteration of the internet? Yeah, it's a great question, Matt. So, you know, first, I'm not an expert, but as I understand it, metaverse is sort of this full 360 degree conceptualization of virtual reality. You know, it's taken taken to a whole new level. And if you buy into my definition, I, I don't think it's a question of if, I think it's a question of when. And I think we're gonna see it evolve in phases, like a phase one, similar to autonomous cars, where you have five levels, you know, there's rudimentary and level five is the highest where you can fall asleep in your car and don't have to worry about it crashing. I think we'll go through those phases with virtual reality in the metaverse over a period of years. I think 5G can support many of the earlier phases. And back to our earlier discussion in the creation of digital twins and Oren's point around retail, to me, being able to shop using the metaverse connected through wireless or some other telecom connectivity is kind of the ultimate shopping experience. As one example, another would be the farmer donning the metaverse headset and being able to, in real time, up to minute of the information, evaluate the yield of his crop, whether it's corn or, you know, pick whatever, you know, buckwheat or, or whatever it is. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to happen. Wireless plays a role because you need, for many of those use cases, an untethered connectivity. Mm-hmm. Uh, some can be connected and you need low latency and high reliability. It just doesn't work if it's not low latency and high reliability because the mind uh, you know, is quick to respond negatively to any delays and you get motion sickness and all that. So, you know, I, I, uh, I think what uh, uh, Facebook meta, I, I think that's what they call themselves now, I applaud them really pushing that. You know, some might say it's, you know, too early to do it, but that's one of those technologies where everything has to come together for it to work fluidly. So for them raising it, and I know they've, they've 
you know, said, hey, everybody's got to come together to make this happen. Doing it now, I, I think, is the, you know, the right, right thing so that, you know, all the technologies that are, aren't quite mature yet get the right focus. So, you know, when they do, you hit that inflection point and, you know, we're all donning the, the headsets to immerse ourselves in the digital twin of, you know, the metaverse. talked right at the beginning about some of the amazing things that US Cellular is doing to your local communities. And I think one thing we've noticed, and I don't know if it was, I think it was an unconscious thing, really, for, for most service providers around the world, that during the, the pandemic, there's almost an inherent obligation to support those communities that they serve, right? It was, there, there was something very altruistic that happened I think, and, and this is my question to you, between the service providers and the customers, do you see this now? Do you, do you feel yeah. a, a, a closeness with the community and the societies that you serve? Yeah, I do, Matt. I, it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. You know, one of the things that I'm always amazed with, and I, we always focus on the negative as human beings, but when events happen, tragic events. It could be a storm, it could be like what's going on in Ukraine, COVID. People come together. I mean, they, they put their personal agendas aside and they focus on what is needed for the whole community. And we certainly saw that in the wireless space. All the carriers came together and started donating devices and, you know, not enforcing throttling, you know, when people hit their limits you know, we've been doing that for years. You know, if we've had a tornado event or some of our markets were hit by hurricanes, we were some of the, one of the first to go in and say, hey, we're not going to throttle free service. You know, we'll discuss what the implications of that are later, but we know you need to connect with your friends and family. We're there for you. Here's some batteries. Um, but I, I think those kind of events, like a COVID event, cause people to really rise above making a profit, focusing on personal agenda or, you know, the co companies. And that's good. In the end of the day, that's good for the community and you're part of the community. So it's sort of symbiotic and it's inspirational to me, frankly. Yeah, I mean, we yeah. saw it internally, you know, I'm getting kind of teary eyed about it because, you know, when, you know, the news was breaking, this thing is getting bad and we were all transitioning and people weren't thinking about, hey, I got to get home and take care of my family. What do you need from me? I'm here till 11. Let's figure it out. You know, people just rise above the personal agenda, really do what needs to be done for yeah. for the, the family, the community. Yeah, I did. That's I did. We, we interviewed somebody back in L.A. at Mobile World Congress. And, and I remember it really they, they echoed exactly what you said there, Mike. And, and they said, it's good to be a good guy. It's good to be on the other side of this now, right? It feels really incredible. And everybody involved in technology had gotten this, this feeling that they were doing something bigger than just profit, yeah. something bigger than just developing technology. It was helping society. And I think that's a remarkable thing for for everybody to be involved with it, it feels good, right? It's yeah, it's, it's fact, like, you know, you, you, we talk about that. People are inspired by vision. They're motivated by vision. We, we understand it intellectually. We talk about it. 
but it's not till an event happens where it moves from the head to the heart and people do it instinctively and they're motivated by this greater sense of purpose. And, you know, I, I, it's, it's really great to be a part of that and to see that. And I think, you know, we should all reflect, I know I am like, how do we cultivate that beyond just a triggering event so that we're like that um, just as a normal course exactly. of events? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. It actually connects well with the next, but um, you know maybe just a comment. You know my experience uh, with you, Mike, and uh, and the OCLR team is you need to understand the unique culture. OCLR uh, are super passionate about the customer service and the experience, and there were a lot of uh, activities that we we were together. We supported OCLR in in trials like like no customer left behind, supporting during events of disasters like you mentioned, Mike. And now we're elevating and you know improving user experience on on digital on the web. I think this unique culture for me actually leads well to the next question, which is um, what does it mean for your seller to be named America's best employer? That's quite an accolade, by the way. Quite yeah, an accolade. It, it, thanks. It's probably not going to come out right. We get a lot of those awards, so the challenge for us is not to become proudful, conceited, and take it for granted. Because you're right, Oren, our, our culture, we believe, is very special. We care deeply about our associates, their well-being. Uh, we do a lot in terms of providing flexibility for them and their families, supporting their educational objectives and their career objectives. Even beyond that, you know, they're ethnic uh, community affiliations we we do a lot for but it goes deep and that's that's the heritage of the company you know i've been with the company in 20 years and have worked for four different ceos and typically when you go through ceo transitions culture changes and our shareholders our board and our chairman and the family that founded the company has ensured that despite leadership changes essence of the culture was not going to change, that we were going to focus on the customers and the communities that we're a part of and our employees and their well-being. And that has served us well. I think, you know, we're, we're in the business of making money, no doubt. But that aspect of our culture, we believe, is a critical component of our business model. And I don't think that's the case with all companies. I, you know, I, this is not my first company. I've worked for a number of companies in telecom. And it's one thing to talk it. And there's another thing to live it. And this company, you know, really lives it. I'll tell you a story just real quick if I could. I left a company to come here. And my first 30, 60, 90 days, I thought I had joined a cult. I'm like, this. I don't fit. This is really weird. These people really believe this and they do. Yeah, I've come to be a believer and, uh, you know, it's not a distinct from our business model. It's a core component of the business model. And I don't see that changing for us at all. So uh, just, just to say this is an inspiration for me. And, and, you know, we, when we talk about how with our teams, how we support you better, we always talk about, you know, associate passion and, and leadership excellence and customer advocacy and, and, you know, getting superior results, it has to match in order to get this perfect synergy. Well, you know, 
I've talked a lot about as it relates to our associates, our employees, but we evaluate who we partner with in the same way. Like we want to understand, that's why we meet with, with Shuki and Shami and your leadership team. We want to understand how they think about culture and how your culture mirrors up with ours. And I, I can tell you flat out that we don't partner with some companies, but because the culture, I don't want to say it's antagonistic to our culture, but it's not a good blend for our culture. And that's okay. That doesn't mean they don't have a good product, but we think about it holistically. I'm not just buying boxes. I'm partnering with someone to partner with me to serve our end customer. It's a partnership. Yeah, and, and definitely can say that, that you, as you sell as a customer, I think influenced yeah, very positively on, on you know, on Andbox, its essence and the way we work. You guys have been a great partner. You really have. I mean, we couldn't do what we do without you guys doing what you do. I think, look, I think you've raised some amazing points there, Mike, particularly about the cultural synergy. I'd never thought about that before. And like you said, it's such an important, uh, it's an important consideration. And I'm glad, you know, but what legacy, what, you know, what legacy would you like to leave behind for US Cellular, Mike? I mean, because we're at probably the most disruptive, technologically profound period in mankind i think so what legacy would you like to leave behind for you yeah it's a great it's a great question matt you know i I get that sometimes from the folks i that that i work with Um, for me it's about teaching the values and the behaviors that underpin our culture to the next generation of leaders because when i'm gone if you believe what i said that culture is essential to our business model. The only way you nurture your culture is through leadership. And so the legacy that I'd like to leave is a depth of talent, talented leaders that could perpetuate the importance of these cultures and have associates manifest those those cultures into behaviors, whether they're interacting with one another or employees or our partners. You know, here's an example. Amdocs. We cause problems for them sometimes. They cause problems for us. But that's not a reason to treat each other disrespectfully. That would go against our values. And when I'm gone, I don't know when that's going to be, I want the next generation of leaders to honor that behavioral aspect of our values. And the last one is the importance of trust. If I had to pick all the ethics that underpin our culture, trust is the essential one. It's a governing ethic for us. If I don't know you, I don't have a reason to distrust you. And I'm going to trust you until you give me a reason to have a discussion on why, you know, I shouldn't. That's not often the case in business or society. And it's easy for me to say that talking about a U.S. cellular associate, I want to think that way about my partners. I want to trust Amdocs or some other partner from the get-go because if our relationship isn't based on trust and it's just sort of monetary, that's not a partnership. 
So that's what I want my legacy to be about is leaving a depth of leadership talent that can perpetuate the company values and the culture uh, into the future. Yeah, beautifully put, beautifully put, Mike. So Mike, again, really your big inspiration for me, but what's what's your big biggest source of inspiration? Oh, wow. You know, <laughs> it, it can be different day to day, frankly. It could be an employee, could be an associate going over and above. You probably don't think of me as a person who, you know, gets teary eyed a lot, uh, Oren, but I don't, you know, I don't know if you remember this. When we first cut over the first I do, I do. market for tops and everything we had to go through to make that happen, which isn't, you know, unique to us. I mean, those sort of transformations yeah. are painful. I was moved to tears. Yeah. By the associates. Yeah. Working two in the morning, both on the Amdoc side and the U.S. cellular side and seeing the pride in them to bring that system to production. I mean, that was move. That was inspirational to me. You know, I, I, I often get motivated and inspired by seeing those with associates dealing with, you know, challenges on the front line or working through an issue or if they have some personal problem and I can sense that there's something beyond that and how we can, we can help. Um, I've, I've seen that at, with Amdocs, you know, folks working through, you know, through issues. Yeah. So there's a lot of things that inspire me. I, I can't pick one thing that does it, but you know, often it's the simplest thing that cuts right through all the noise of the moment of the day and says to your heart, that is motivational and inspirational. And it lasts for a long time. It connects well with what uh, Theodore Roosevelt said. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. That's right. That's exactly right. I think it's your piano playing that inspires me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed enough. <laughs> now, that's brilliant. Now, we're getting towards the end. And before we go into our quick fire round of questions, uh, Mike, which is a bit of fun, What's next for you? What's coming up next on the horizon? What's the next big thing? Well, you know, uh, you know, I I believe that the company needs me, the employees need me, you know, and I I don't engage in anything. I don't feel I'm adding value. So right now, you know, my focus is helping to navigate as part of LT's leadership team the company through some pretty um, competitive environments, um, you know, many new entrants. And, and what I'm telling you, I'm sure my counterpart at another company would tell you the same thing. And so what's next for me is, is making sure we make these digitalization transformation as seamless and uh, non-disruptive to associates and customers as possible. And in the most financially responsible way. Uh, so that's on the professional front on personal front is making sure I carve out enough time for my, my family, my wife and my kids. And, you know, I always like to think about four quadrants of life. There's vocation. I talked about that one. There's family. I talked about that one. There's the spiritual aspect. And I know, Oren, you don't think of me as someone who's meditating or whatever, but I do, <laughs> you know, I do it early. I, I need that, but that's really important, you know, especially yeah. when you go through like COVID, you got to, got to reassess what's important in your life and sort of transcend the, you know, the mundane task oriented activities. And then there's the physical aspect, 
you know, staying healthy. This is a high pressure environment. I'm not telling you anything you guys don't know. So take care of your health, exercising, staying fit. And then Matt, you did a little bit of it in the call is not taking ourselves too seriously, having some fun. Yeah. Like, like I gotta be honest with you, like if it wasn't for being able to joke around with Oren and the Amdocs team and other partners, frankly, I mean, we, we get, we get upset at each other, but then we joke about it, yeah. you know? And that means we, we have a good partnership that we don't have to take each other so seriously. That gets you through the tough times, but you know, all of that is going to help me get through what's next for Mike, which is helping to navigate the company through the competitive uh, pressures I think we're going to face the transformation as we digitalize the, the company uh, and enable our customers to do the same thing. So, you know, it's a journey and, and I'm excited about it. And that's, that's one thing about this industry is so cool is there's always something exciting every day, every day. Excellent. Now, are we ready? We talked we talk about having fun there, Mike, and I'm all about having fun uh, until I get into trouble, but Let's, we're going to go into the TGI to go round now, which is our quick fire round. TGI to go. I'm going to ask you 15 multiple choice questions. Oh boy. Your answer is the one of those two things that is your biggest preference. Okay. So are you ready? Yeah. Let's do TGI to go. Question number one, cats or dogs? Cats. You have cats? Nine. Oh, wow. <laughs> plus, plus two straight cats outside. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's have everything in multiples, in batches of nine. Wow, that's a lot of cats. Hiking or fishing? Fishing. And do you fish regularly? During COVID, a lot. Yeah, excellent. Here's one. Uh, Oren will relate to this one. Singing or dancing? Dancing. Oh. Coffee or tea? Coffee. NFL or NBA? NFL. And your team, I guess, I, I can imagine your team is the Bears, right? Of course. Oh, no, 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 no. no? I was oh. born in Miami. I love the Dolphins. That's my number one team. Second team is uh, Dallas Cowboys. Ah. So this, this one is a, a tricky one. Paw Patrol or Peppa Pig? <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what it is, but I'll pick Paw Patrol. Okay. There are two cartoons that I am subjected to all the time, and we ask our guests which one they're from. One of them's Canadian, one of them's British. So which one is which? Paw Patrol's Canadian, uh, Peppa Pig's British. Okay. So there we go. <laughs> Aerosmith or Bee Gees? Oh, Aerosmith, Aerosmith. Yeah. I like the Bee Gees. I, don't get me wrong, they're great. Yeah. But I like Aerosmith, yeah. <laughs> What about you, Aaron? I'm going to ask you that one, given you're the musician here. Aerosmith or the Bee Gees? Uh, Aerosmith, definitely. Yeah. Oh, another musical one. Pink Floyd or Metallica? Uh, Pink Floyd is Pink Floyd. I mean, it's hard, but you know, it's like, I don't know. Yeah, Pink Floyd. I need more gigs. I, you know, I played the bass and I had a rock band back then in, in Israel in those days. We had a, a, like a whole event just dedicated for Pink Harley Davidson or Ducati? Oh, Ducati. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Harley's fine. great. No, I'm not knocking Harley. I love it. That's not my role, not my style, but I like Ducati. But yeah, Harley's got some good bikes. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to go to the Pacific Northwest, Portland or Seattle? Seattle. Florida or California? 
Oh, Florida. There yeah. you go. We, I think we answered that one. Yeah. London or Paris? If you could go London. to one of the... London? London. Yeah, that's, that's a good one. Android or Apple? Apple. Oh. Italian or Indian cuisine? Ah, oh, jeez, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will give Italian just a tiny nudge above indian i love indian food oh that's great but italian with a good italian wine yeah 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 it's uh, it's lunchtime as well while recording this so i've just got, <laughs> i've got really hungry now and we'll finish on this one netflix or disney plus <sighs> netflix yeah what are you watching right now mike well uh we're trying to we've been trying to watch the new spider-man I don't know which one it's on, Prime, I, whatever. And we tried to watch, what is the uh, murder on the Orient? And then there's the murder on the Nile. Right. And I can't get past the first 15 minutes of either of them. <laughs> I don't know what that says about me or the movies, but those are the two that we're watching right now. Yeah. I, tell, I can't get near the television at the moment. My wife is binge watching Bridgerton. The I've never seen it. I don't want to see it. I don't know. I, I, I don't know what's going on, but I can't get near that TV, which is fine by me. Um, well, that finishes the TGI to go round, Mike. Thank you very much. A lot of fun uh, there, and we get to know uh, a lot more about you. And that's pretty much the the end of the podcast today. Is there any last um, comments you'd like to leave? On yeah, thank you for giving me the opportunity to um, chat with you. Amdocs is a great partner and I appreciate you guys doing this and not for my benefit, but for, you know, your associates, our associates, associates with other of your clients. I, I think it goes to how serious you are about partnering with folks you do business with. It's not just a transaction, it's something more than that. And I think the folk, the, the energy you're putting into the podcast reflects that. So thank you for the opportunity. What a brilliant episode. I can't tell you how much fun I had with Mike and Oren recording that one. And you know, I love these episodes where not only do we have such a fantastic and, and meaningful conversation, but we have a good laugh and some fun along the way. And you know, it's rare, we've recorded many podcasts over the, the last two years, but ones like this are rare and they're, they're just great. They're just so much fun and, and so interesting. Now, you know, US Cellular are, are, are a brilliant and incredibly innovative carrier and also such a valuable customer and partner for us. And as Mike said himself, we share the same values and outlook and that makes us even stronger together. So please subscribe to our podcast and all the usual podcast channels. Leave a review or rating if you feel so inclined. It certainly helps us. Check out two other Amdocs podcasts that are brilliant and available now, The Future of Tech with Abhishek Charlin and Points of View with our CMO, Gil Rosen. Also visit our website, amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors. And we'll be back in two weeks for another edition of The Great Indoors. I'm Matt Roberts for Amdocs in Toronto. Have a great day wherever you are.